0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Welcome to the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Hello, everyone. I'm Nara Wang, and my regular co-host, Scott Felix, is unavailable. So instead, I'm joined this week by former USC and NFL wide receiver, Damian Williams. Damian, glad to have you on board. Thanks, Nara, man.
0: Glad to be here. I appreciate it.
1: Damian, let the Trojan family know what you've been up to since your playing days ended. I
0: retired a couple years ago, started a couple companies. I had to work through a little bit, try to figure out what I wanted to do. And then uh, landed me at a financial services company doing wealth management and helping small businesses grow their valuation and increase their income.
1: Very cool. And of course, to find our show, you can subscribe and rate our show on iTunes and then you can find us anywhere. You can find podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary and TuneIn. And the website for Believe is B-L-E-A-V.com, Believe.com and on social media at Believe podcast on twitter you can find me at Nara Wang sports that's n-a-r-a-w-e-n-g sports and damien you're on twitter and instagram as well what's your handle
0: it's DW 17 that's
1: d-w-i-l-l-o-n-e and the numeral seven all right so reach out to us if you have any comments that you want to pass along or questions for future shows that we can answer please do so After a huge win over Stanford, USC fans were pumped going into the first road game of the season at BYU. The Trojans had cracked the top 25. True freshman quarterback Keaton Slovis was getting praise from seemingly everyone. Lynn Swan was no longer the athletic director. It seemed like things were looking up for the men of Troy. But on a sunny Saturday afternoon in Provo, Utah, all of the positive momentum evaporated into a cloud of turnovers, sloppy play and missed tackles as the Cougars defeated SC 30-27 in overtime. Before I go into my rant, Damien, and there's a rant coming, believe me, I want to hear from you. What is wrong with USC football? Okay, so
0: we're going to say wrong. When we say wrong, it's more of what we're not used to. I played in the era where you know we won the Pac-10 every year. I mean, I think they won. we won like seven years straight. When I was growing up, watching USC, they didn't lose a lot of ball games. We're having decent seasons, but we're just used to winning a lot. And currently, we're taking some L's that they're close games. Uh, maybe some games that we shouldn't lose for us. That's what's wrong is just not winning. That's kind of how we look at it. But I think right now it's just a, a different time. It's a different era, different situation there. And when k- kids aren't used to playing in the big games all the time, that's how you start to build wins playing in those tougher ones.
1: But this is a game against BYU, a team that USC has a lot more talent than. How can you go there after a big win against Stanford? And again, maybe Stanford isn't the same Stanford that they went on the road and got smacked down against UCF, but it's still, how does USC find a way to just do something really good and then come back with a game where they let a team hang in there that's not supposed to hang with USC? I just don't understand that.
0: It's a mindset. It's a tradition. It's something that you got to get used to, man. Playing in those big games, you play in a big game like Stanford and you go and and beat them the way that you did. When you come back for that next week, you got to be able to play at that same level. And if you're not used to doing that week in and week out, it's tough to just do it on command.
1: And again, after the Stanford game, we had... Everyone on Keaton Slovis saying he's the next Sam Darnold. He's awesome. And let me tell you something. He's obviously a true freshman. And everyone wants to blame Clay Helton for everything. And we're going to get to all of that stuff. Believe me, the Helton hot seat scale results will be, (laughs) we'll go over that in just a little bit. But before we blame Clay Helton for everything, Keaton Slovis had three terrible interceptions. Basically, did not look off anybody, just threw it into a crowd. Listen, a couple of those plays were good plays by the BYU defenders. But if we're going to say that this kid is the next Sam Darnold or the next this and that, then when he has a bad game, make excuses for him. Oh, he's just a true freshman. Oh, he looks like he'll be okay. Listen, he wasn't okay. His first road test, he committed three turnovers. He lost the fumble that luckily our offensive lineman jumped on got sacked twice. And really the stats aren't necessarily horrible other than the three interceptions, but they were critical interceptions, two of them early in the game that killed the momentum that we had from, again, a great start. First opening drive. I think what we've learned is that Harrell's script for the first 15 plays is tremendous. Right, We look good, it seems, on those scripted plays to begin every game. But then as we get into the game, BYU is dropping back zone coverage, only five in the box, daring USC to run, and they're still disrupting everything we're doing at the line. I mean, Kairos Tonga looked like the next great defensive tackle. He was batting balls. He was getting into the backfield, making tackles for loss. He was all over our guys. It boggles my mind to say that, oh, well, Keaton Slovis gets a pass and all of this stuff. And it's all on the coaches. The players have to take some responsibility.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll start with Slovis. Listen, the kid is young, man. He came in. He played great against Stanford. But you go in a situation like that, there's no pressure. Nobody expected him to go in there and do what he did. He played a great game. I think that as you move on, you go to the next game. Okay, people have some film on him. They've seen the way he played. People make adjustments. So I think that, you know, he comes into the second game. The last pick, he tries to fit that in there. Sometimes you're going to make that catch, sometimes you're not. It was a great defensive play, ball batted up in the air. They catch that even though a lot of people will say, well, that's the one that lost us the game. I'm not so much worried about that one. It's the two early picks, early in the game. Those type of plays are tone setters, whether they're good or bad. And for us as a quarterback, you can't make two mistakes in a row that early in the game. they're, They're costly. They're very costly. Now back to the adjustments part. I can't say you can't put it all on Slovis. Like you said, you can't put it all on Coach Helton. It's a culmination of everything. I mean, you got five guys in the box run the football. That's my five versus your five. Whose five is better? And I believe my five's better in a one-on-one and we're running the ball. We got to be able to run the ball. And if we're not running the ball well, with five guys in the box, there's no way you're going to make throws. Those interceptions are bound to happen.
1: Exactly. Everyone's trying to criticize, oh, well, the air raid, they weren't throwing the ball. But this isn't like a traditional air raid, Mike Leach air raid. It's a modified air raid. We use one and two tight end sets occasionally. Basically, you want to read the defense, and if they're giving you the run, you take the run, which we did. And we did run for 171 yards, which is all right, but it's not as good as it should have been considering the defense that BYU played against us. It's it's unacceptable to me that they're getting pressure with three down linemen as often as they did and beating our line as often as they did in the trenches. It shouldn't have happened.
0: Absolutely. The line, I'm sure that they're going to go back and look at this film and say, you know, hey, there's a lot of things we could have done better. If you can't run the ball with five and six in the box, you're not going to win a lot of ball games. And It's plain and simple. It doesn't really matter what a defense does. If they can play all game with five and six people in the box and stop your run, you're not going to be able to throw the ball.
1: Michael Pittman had his best game of the season, nine catches, just under 100 yards, had a touchdown. I'm still not sure though, to be honest, that I've ever seen a guy considered reestablished in the field one step after he was out of bounds. I was worried that they weren't going to give that to USC and they ended up doing it. But I can't say that I've ever seen a guy get pushed out on one step and then the next step he's back in as he's catching the ball. And the refs call that being reestablished. Usually you have to be on the field more, right? Right.
0: My understanding was that, well, I know in the NFL, you have to, if you go out of bounds, you have to reestablish with two feet in bounds before you could touch the ball again. I guess if you only have to have one end to catch it, you probably only have to have one end to reestablish as well. But I wasn't aware of that rule either. I, I definitely didn't think we were going to be able to get a touchdown on that. Glad we did. Mike still made a great
1: play. He definitely made a great play. And when Slovis is going through his progressions, he was actually making good passes. It's when he didn't go through his progressions, which is what the coaches brought up, that he made the mistakes that he made. So it's just, again, it's a young quarterback who's got to learn to trust his receivers, trust going through progressions. And I think you have a little experience with that as a veteran receiver at SC your last year. You had to play with a true freshman quarterback, Matt Barkley. Talk about the differences when you have to play with a young quarterback.
0: Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say, you know, we looked at Slovis' performance against Stanford. We go out there and say, hey, that kid's got a bright future, right? Then he plays against BYU and everybody's like, oh, man, he played like a freshman. But realistically, he played like a freshman with a bright future. He's still young. This is only his second game that he's really gotten to go in and have the game plan for. He hasn't even learned yet how to study and really how to prepare for a game. You could be the best at preparing for defenses in high school, but when you go to that next level, Learning to prepare for college and NFL caliber because a lot of these coaches are NFL, ex-NFL coaches or coaches that just left and came back to coach their schools or whatever the case. When you're going against that level of a defense, you have to learn how to study for that before you can even start studying for it. And so that's something that, you know, we're going to have to give him that time. Obviously, it's expedited now. He's got to get on a track where he's moving a little quicker each week because things are going to be thrown at him faster. But we got to give him that. When I played there, I was fortunate enough. When I first got there, I played with John David Booty. He was a seasoned guy. He had played a couple years. He knew how to manage the games. My second year, I was there with Sanchez and Mark was a baller. But his knock was he hadn't played any games. Well, I mean, Mark had been there for years, though. So he had time to sit in there and learn the process of how to study film and how to pick apart defenses and how to read the line of scrimmage pre-snap reads before the play ever takes off. The next year we had Barkley. And to be honest with you, Matt Barkley was probably one of the most polished quarterbacks I'd ever seen coming out of high school. The kid had the size. He could throw the ball. He had the heart. He had the ability to move in the pocket. I think he had all the tools. Coming in and Matt played well for us. I mean, he played really exceptionally well, especially coming into that season, into that team, and you know how dominant we had been for so long. I think that was huge shoes to fill, I should say. I think that Matt came in there, he did a great job, but there were still games where you know he might forget a play in the huddle, or he may not go through a read because he's thinking like this works so many times in practice, it's automatic when sometimes it's not automatic. And those are just growing pains. Those are things that you're going to have to continue to learn from. You have to make those mistakes in order to be great. And I think the Slovis, he's got a bright future, man. And I think that's something that we're going to have to take into consideration down the next stretch of these couple of games, especially playing number 10 team in the country.
1: That is definitely true. Now let's talk about the other side of the ball. BYU's quarterback, Zach Wilson, was drawing comparisons to Johnny football by the broadcasters, Johnny Manziel, with the way he was keeping his plays alive and our defense was losing contain. I honestly, there were a few plays there where I was thinking they should just run the little pitch option play because we only had one guy to cover the quarterback and the pitch right. man. How does that happen where you just have a scheme that basically only accounts for one guy on the edge like that? Listen, no disrespect
0: to Zach Wilson. I think he's a great quarterback. I think that he's going to do a lot of great things for BYU, but there's no excuse for missed tackles. We're talking about, we had a lot of missed tackles. Yeah. One thing that about our defense is they're very talented, but they're just inconsistent. One series you're looking at, oh, this defense is real. They could play with anybody in the country. And then the next series, you're like, do they want to be out there? A lot of times it's new guys playing with each other, new schemes, facing different types of teams each week. Some are run first, some are pass first, whatever. But at the end of the day, like we talked about earlier, it's all about making adjustments and it doesn't look like we were making too many adjustments. And then when we were in the right place, we weren't capitalizing and finishing the play.
1: Yeah, it seems like the defense is always just good enough to keep us in it, but then when we need the plays to be made, the tackles to be made, it doesn't get done in the end. It's just that's been a frustrating thing over the last few years with USC football, which leads me to the Helton hot seat scale, because again, a lot of the blame for what's wrong with USC football the constant missed adjustments, missed tackles, offensive inabilities, they seem to be falling on the head of head coach Clay Helton. So every week, I've been running the Helton Hot Seat Scale poll on Twitter, where I equate his hot seat to chili peppers, Damien. So here's how the scale goes. At the top, you have the hottest pepper in the world, the Carolina Reaper at 2.2 million Scoville heat units, which is how they rank the hotness of chilies. Next is the Ghost Pepper, which is over a million. And Habanero, 350,000 SHU. And then finally, Cayenne at 50,000. The first week, 50% of the vote came in at Carolina Reaper. And then we beat Stanford and Ghost Pepper won the vote last week. So this week, The winner is once again the Carolina Reaper with two-thirds of the vote, 67% voting that Helton's hot seat is the hottest chili pepper possible, 25% a quarter of the vote had ghost pepper, 8% with habanero, and no one voted for cayenne. So the hot seat has been ratcheted back up, Damian. How do you feel about that?
0: That makes me feel like there's a whole lot of fair weather fans out there. <laughs> you can't hate the man, then praise the man when he wins the big game, and then hate the man the next. Listen, at the end of the day, Coach Helton's been dealt a tough deal right now. You know, you go into a season, now granted, everybody needs to be prepared and ready to play, but you go into a season thinking you got a guy that's coming back, he's played a year, he's our guy, and then he gets hurt. Okay, switch the game plan up. We got to put in somebody else. We go in there, and hey, we're doing a good job. Next week, okay, cool. I got to manage getting this team back off this high, making sure we get down to business. And that's not always on the coach. Like we said earlier, sometimes the players gotta take some onus too. I think that anytime you're in a position like Coach Helton is, I mean, you're the coach at USC. There's a tradition there, there's a aura that comes with that position. So shoot, anytime you lose one game, I remember we played at Oregon State. I think we were, like, top five in the country. We lost. They were talking about firing Pete the next day. I'm like, well, listen, man, we just won six straight Pac-10s. We're three and one. <laughs> like, And y'all talk yeah. about firing the guy? Like, what's up? You know what I mean? So it's hard to take a loss as a coach at USC because so many people just expect you to win all the time.
1: He is definitely on the hot seat and this week the fans have voted the Carolina Reaper the winner once again on the Helton Hot Seat Scale poll on Twitter. With special guest co-hosts, the former USC and NFL wide receiver Damian Williams, I am Nara Wang. If you are enjoying our podcast, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on all of your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and on social media at Believe Podcasts. My personal Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Damien, where do they find you on Twitter and Instagram?
0: Dwill17, that's D-W-I-L-L-O-N-E, the number seven.
1: All right, now let's move on and preview The upcoming matchup, you already mentioned it, the 10th ranked team in the country by the AP, number 11 in the coaches poll, the Utah Utes, the Pac-12 conference favorite, the top ranked team in the conference currently, this Friday night at 6 o'clock Pacific time on FS1 and locally on 790 AM radio. It's going to be the Utes' first conference game. Their first game out of the state of Utah because they played at BYU to open the season and then had two home games against Northern Illinois and Idaho State. And they have looked good so far against lesser competition. What can we expect out of the Utah Utes making their first road trip of the year?
0: I think that if they're the team that everybody thinks they are, if they're the team that everybody expects them to be, they're going to play really solid football. When you're a top 10 team, it shouldn't matter where you play. It shouldn't matter what the scenario is, what the situation is. It's a business trip. You go in there to handle business and get back out of there. And I think that regardless of what they do offensively, that defense is pretty stout. And I think that they're going to come in and give us their best effort.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that defense. They had four preseason first-team All-Pac 12 guys, defensive end Bradley and Nye, D-tackle Lecky Fotu, safety Julian Blackman, and cornerback Jalen Johnson. Arguably the best defense that Kyle Whittingham has had in his 15 years as head coach at Utah, and that is saying something. Absolutely. I think the best
0: thing about them is the way that they move together. A lot of guys are active, and it's not just those four guys. A guy like Devin Lloyd comes in. He's got 10 tackles, a couple sacks over the last couple weeks. They've got guys always on the move, and I think that that's one thing that's probably the best thing about their defense is that people can't really get a beat on them.
1: Yeah. Their defense is swarming. They get to the ball. They hit hard. It's basically everything you want out of a defense. It really is. Right. So let's see how the young quarterback Keaton Slovis deals with it. Can our wide receivers get open? Can we run against this team? They've been stout against the run so far this season. And again, with the air raid, we're going to see how they line up against us. Are they going to go man? Are they going to go zone? It's up to the young quarterback to read and react to what he sees out there. On the other side of the ball for Utah, a lot of senior leadership at two crucial positions, the quarterback, Tyler Huntley, and the running back, Zach Moss. Both of those guys have gotten off to great starts so far. What can we expect to see from the Ute offense? Probably a
0: heavy dose of Zach Moss. The kid's good. I like the way he runs. I think he's almost 100 yards every game, at least a touchdown in every game. He's the real deal. And I think that if I'm looking at our defense and seeing how they're missing all those tackles, I'm going to give them a heavy load of my running back and see if they can stop him.
1: You are absolutely correct. I see that as well. And Tyler Huntley, he's had some issues in the past, but now as a senior, it seems like he maybe has figured everything out, a good athletic quarterback. And as we've seen in the past... Even last week, USC has difficulty with athletic quarterbacks who can get out of the pocket and make things happen. Absolutely.
0: The biggest issue with athletic quarterbacks, especially in college, is third downs. They can extend plays and they can also run to beat you on third down, which poses a whole lot of problems when you're trying to scheme for a team. Traditionally, you know, on a third down, if you're not worried about somebody running, you good money. You can kind of sit back in your sets, maybe play some zones whatnot. Or if you got really good corners, you can play man-to-man and blitz and hope your safety does well over the top. But when you're playing a, a mobile quarterback, that's another situation that you have to account for. And Tyler Huntley, those guys are going to make plays if you
1: let them. So what is it that USC has to do to come out victorious at home on Friday night? I think the biggest thing that they have to do is, A, make
0: tackles. If you make tackles, they don't get yards. They got to give us the ball back. The more opportunities we have to score, the more chances we're going to score. So, first of all, we got to tackle better. Secondly, I think that we have to run the ball well on first down. Our line needs to put some pride behind their name. There's some big boys. They're talented, and they need to go out there and show that. And so they need to be able to establish who we are from the jump. On first downs, we need to be – three four-yard runs, four yards for the scores, like we say. You get four yards on every rush, you'll score touchdowns. So we need to be getting at least four yards on first downs, and that'll make it easier for our freshman quarterback on second and third down to move the
1: ball. I am totally with you on that. I also think that we have to find a way to spread the ball around. We have a great group of wide receivers. Let them make plays. Get these slant throws where they can get some run after the catch. Get the ball out to Steven Carr on a swing pass. Get that guy out into open field. Right. I think that way we can show a little diversity, keep them on their heels a little bit defensively, and then that can set up the little play action where they might get too aggressive And you can kind of fool them and go deep with one of our receivers streaking down the sideline or in the seam, something like that. That's what you would always look for, right? Trying to get to a defense late in the game?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But like you said, play action. The key to play action is... They got to respect the run and we're going to have to run the football better. If we, if we can run the football on the early downs, then that'll set them up to kind of lull them asleep and, and take those bigger shots down the field. But if we can't run the football, there's no throwing lanes for, I mean, there's not going to be any passing lanes for a quarterback to throw. If they don't respect our run, if they can stop us with five and six people in the box, then there's no way that we're going to be able to throw the ball later in the game.
1: And finally, I want to just bring up the fact again, this is a Friday night game in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. And me personally, I've never thought that these weeknight games, like you mentioned that horrible Thursday night up in Corvallis. But even like the home games, I am not a fan of USC playing these weeknight home games. I just think that the crowd isn't as hyped up. They don't get the tailgate. The atmosphere is just different. And while at other places, like a place like Corvallis, they'll get amped up to play a USC on a weeknight national TV game. Right for SC fans, I don't think that. Happens happens. And I think for SC players, even you don't get the same feeling of excitement. What are your thoughts about the SC Friday night game?
0: I'm not a fan of weekday games anyway, mainly just because you're not going to get the best, the maximum potential out of everybody because people haven't had time to recover. When we played Thursday night games in the NFL, I hated them because we didn't have enough time to physically prepare. I think that the biggest part of college football is the tailgating, man. The people getting hype before the game is what brings the energy to the game. You know, people getting off of work on a Friday, <laughs> kind of sitting in traffic to even get to the game. And then they may not have as much energy. So I'm not a big fan of those games either. But at the end of the day, your schedule's your schedule and you got to play it. We got to come ready to play. Even if the crowd's not bringing the energy, which I'm sure we will, the players got to bring it themselves.
1: Yeah, we'll see the self-motivation out of USC players because it's going to be a late arriving crowd. I mean, six o'clock, we all know what LA traffic is like. You're going to have a lot of fans who are still going to be stuck trying to make their way to the Coliseum at that time. You know what? Maybe SC just needs to get off to a bad start because that's what happened against Stanford, right? And (laughs) we turned it around. So let's just start badly for like the first quarter. And then once the fans are settled in, then we can turn it around. That seems to be the SCMO. Absolutely. I am joined by Damian Williams this week, the former wide receiver for SC and in the NFL, mainly with the Tennessee Titans. I'm Nara Wang. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn, all your favorite directories to find podcasts, and please subscribe and rate our show. And the website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and on social media... It's at Believe Podcast. My Twitter is at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Damien, where do they find you on social media?
0: At DWill17. That's at D-W-I-L-L-O-N-E, the number seven.
1: So now, Damian, we're going to get to the super fun predictions segment of the show. So let me break it down on how this works. So basically, what I've been doing is with Scott, we've been keeping track of our predictions to see how we're doing. We haven't been doing great. Spoiler (laughs) alert. Okay. But let me recap what happened last week. So the players that we believed in last week, I took Vavai Malapai. He had 23 carries. 96 yards, a touchdown, added three catches for 28 yards. Scott went with Tyler Vons, who had a solid game, seven catches, 65 yards. But I think you agree, I was the winner there. Malapai, I had a better game. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's one in my column. For the game score, and we also had a special guest, Cyrus Hobby the former offensive lineman and tight end for SC on the show. So he got to pick the game score as well. We all went with USC. I went 34-28. Scott went 31-17. Cyrus went 36-30. So obviously we were all losers. No winner on on the score prediction. And then the last part of the predictions is... A kind of a prop bet thing where we, where Scott and I would take something that we would just guarantee would happen. For example, a couple weeks ago, I said there would be three turnovers by USC, and Scott said that Slovis would fumble at least once. Had we just made those predictions a week later, we both would have hit on it. (laughs) We would have been right. Instead, last week I said that USC would run for two hundred yards at least, and they didn't. They only got to one seventy-one. They should have run for over two hundred, but they didn't get there. And Scott in what I don't know, you tell me, but I think Cyrus and I both agreed, kind of a weak prediction. He said that USC would receive and return the opening kickoff. So, yes, he was <laughs> correct, but I mean, he was basically wagering on a coin flip. I mean, honestly, that's actually a pretty cool bet. <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> that's not bad, right? Realistically, that could have went They could have not returned it. It could have just not even received and kicked off. That's not that terrible.
1: All right. All right. And he did get it right. And he did say he wanted to test the universe because our picks were going so badly. So he wanted to see if that was actually going to come through for him. And listen, it did. did. So (laughs) we'll we'll give him the credit for that. So after three games, he had a 3-2 lead on the predictions. So that's where it stands there. But now you're in the hot seat for the predictions this week. So first of all, it's the players that we believe in. So Damien, give me a player that you think is going to have the best game for SC. I'm
0: going to go in the secondary and go with Hufanga. Talanoa Hufanga is who you're going with. Yes. I like the way that kid plays. I think he gets around the ball. I think if he he plays as well as he's played recently, I mean, the problem is, is he's our leading tackler and he's our safety. So that's not a good thing. But if he keeps flying around the ball, I think he
1: he gives us a good chance to win in, in stopping Utah's offense. All right. Very solid pick. A wide receiver going with a defensive guy for his player that he believes in, going with Talanoa Hufanga. As for me, I'm going to stay on the offensive side. and. I'm going to go with a bounce back game for Tyler Vons. I think even though he had a solid game, I don't think he got as many shots down the field as he would have liked to have gotten. Michael Pittman did get it and they seem to be kind of rotating who's doing well in the receiving core this year. So I'm going to go with the maybe a one week later thing since Scott took Tyler Vons last week. I'm going to take Tyler Vons this week to be the player that I believe in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So now we got to go with the game score and I'll go first here. The game score for me is, and again, the first week I picked USC to win, but not cover, which I got right. The next week, I picked USC to lose, which I was definitely wrong and happy to be wrong. Right. And then last week I picked USC to win and cover and they obviously did not. So I'm going to go back to picking USC to lose. And before anyone gets mad at me, that might just be what they need to win. Okay? So that's that's okay. the thinking here. All right? Okay. And Utah has never beaten USC at the Coliseum. They actually have won one time back in 1916 against USC, but that was before they were playing in the Coliseum. That's how long ago it's been since Utah has actually won against USC in LA. It's never been done at the historic Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. I think it's going to get done Friday night. I'm going to go with Utah 31, USC 23. Oh. We almost had the
0: same score.
1: What's your score? What
0: are you going with? Okay. Utah's never beaten SC in the Coliseum, but Utah hasn't had this great of a team coming into the Coliseum recently. People are going to be mad at me too, because I'm going to pick Utah to (laughs) win. (laughs) I'm going to pick Utah to win, and I think Utah's – going to win 31 to 17, which is why I picked a defensive player to be the player I believe in because I feel like our offense may not be on the field too often.
1: I can understand that for sure. And yes, our scores are pretty close. Just a six point differential. Again, to recap that I am picking Utah 3123. Damien is going with Utah 3117. Don't be angry with us, USC fans. Again, we are here to give you the unbiased, objective opinions of what we think is going to happen. And our analysis of what is going to happen. So in this case, we both happen to think that Utah is a really good team that is going to come in and beat USC. And again, I'm hoping that just like I was two weeks ago, I will be dead wrong and I'll be happy to be dead wrong. Yeah, me too. I, I'd be glad to be wrong. I can't
0: believe we picked the same points.
1: Yeah. That's pretty good. Great minds think alike, Damian. Come on. Let's let's be honest <laughs> Maybe here. <not. laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> you gave him extra touchdown. Yeah. And now it's time for our final prediction, which is usually it's Scotty, sure thing, and Nara's no doubter. We, again, take a prop bet that we think is going to happen and go with that and basically guarantee that it's going to happen. And since there's no Scotty, sure thing, I thought that we should give you Damien's done deal. How does that sound? I like that. Damien's done deal. Love it. So, Damien, what is the done deal guaranteed prediction for you this week in this game? My done deal guaranteed prediction may sound
0: crazy based on how I think the game's going to go, but it is college football and people bounce back. I think USC's defense gets two turnovers.
1: Okay, so two takeaways by the USC defense. Yes. Okay, so are we going to count special teams if they happen to like fumble a return? Does that count or not? We ought to be specific here. Is it just defense or is it count with special teams? I feel like special teams counts, right? It's up to you. Ah. I'm giving you the call here. Is it just straight defense or are we including special teams in the total? It's two of them. Yeah, let's include special teams. I got a better chance of it (laughs) happening. (laughs) Smart move by Damian Williams. So... If USC, as long as USC gets two takeaways, then you will be correct on your Damien's okay. done deal. Perfect. So Nara's no doubter. And again, I'm using the strategy of what I picked the week before, maybe coming true a week later. But it's going to be kind of reversed because last week I said USC would rush for at least 200 yards. This week, I'm saying Utah is going to rush for at least 200 yards. I think Zach Moss goes bananas and gets probably around 140 to 150. Tyler Huntley maybe comes in with, after sacks, maybe about 20 to 30. And then some of the other guys come in off the bench and get enough to put them Over 200 yards rushing in the game. Let's recap our predictions. The players that we believe in this week, Damian going defensive with Talanoa Hufanga. I am staying on the offensive side with Tyler Vons. On the game score, I went with 31-23 Utah. Damian, 31-17 Utah. And then my Nara's no-doubter, Utah rushes for at least 200 yards. And Damian's done deal is going to be two turnovers by Utah, two takeaways by USC's defense slash special teams slash whatever. Absolutely. So there you go. And again, the weekly disclaimer that if you use our predictions for your betting purposes, that is on you. We are not <laughs> responsible. For any losses you may incur, these are strictly for entertainment purposes only. Absolutely. But if you win, I mean, feel free to donate. See, you're right along with Scotty. That's what he says every <laughs> week. That Hey, if you win, you should be helping me out with a, with a little kickback. You know, why not? We're not going to turn it down, but we're not taking the blame for anything (laughs) that might screw you up because these are strictly for your entertainment value. And again, I hope that you had a great time listening to us this week. If you enjoy us, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We are available on the favorite directories for podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn. And the website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. And on social media is at Believe Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at naro Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Damien, where do they find you on Twitter and Instagram?
0: At Dwill17, that's D-W-I-L-L-O-N-E and the number seven.
1: And so just before we get ready to get out of here, I also want to let everyone know that you can now also find Damien on the Believe Podcast Network because you're starting up a Tennessee Titans podcast. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, man. We just uh, had our first one yesterday, me and a high school buddy of mine, Kobe Paxton, and uh, we just started up. Hopefully the guys come out and listen
1: to us. Uh, it's called the Washed Up Podcast. The Washed Up Podcast. So you can catch that on the Believe Podcast Network as well. So for my special guest this week, Damian Williams, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode four of the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? We hopefully will believe in USC a little more after this week's game. But regardless, remember to always fight on. I believe. Thank you
0: for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.